Stop! Sure you want the rest of it? Dirty Harry Welcome back to Dirty Harry Minute, a podcast that reviews every minute of that 1971 Warner Brothers tragedy, Dirty Harry. I'm one of your hosts, John, and as ever, I'm joined with... Trent. How are you, Trent? Oh, I'm very well. Can't complain. I thought this was a Song of the South Minute, um, speaking of Disney films before, <laughs> but maybe um, I've walked into the wrong room, but oh, I'll stay. zippity doo <laughs> Once again, we are lucky to be joined by a movie by minute brethren, Kandra from Fantastic Fox Minute. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me back. You're welcome. <laughs> and we have returning guest. It's been a while since our last drink, Tim. Hi, uh, John. I was just thinking I wish I could remember whether I'm Tim 1 or Tim 2 or possibly even Tim 3, but <laughs> just whatever, whatever you feel like today. Tim 2. Mm. But, but, you know, we have another uh, Tim because Bartek is, of course, Tim in Polish, right? Bartek 1, please. Yes, yes, yeah. (laughs) Not to be confused with Bartek 2. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us all, guys. Today we're reviewing Minute 83. The minute begins with Scorpio hastily doling out some money and ends with a bus driver putting on the handbrake or some other implement. What did you think of this minute, Kundra? Um, you know, it, it it definitely has two different, very distinct feels to it. Um, the whole bashing in the head of the clerk and then the school bus. It, it's, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Is this one of the first movies where Bartek or anyone where a bad guy steals a guy's gun? Obviously, the big one is in Terminator, right? Where he deliberately is trying out the guns. Oh, yes. <laughs> and he goes, yes. bye. <laughs> Can you think of... Well, this could be the first time it's ever appeared. Oh. Oh, surely not. Jeez. Surely there'd be some 30s. It's a very revolutionary idea. idea. Yeah. <laughs> Steel gun. <laughs> surely like, some James Cagney thing from the 30s or... Or film noir. Or his pretend dad, Edward G. Robinson, was in <laughs> something. Wouldn't this happen in... Wouldn't that happen in, like, a Bond film? Maybe. Maybe one of the later 70s ones. Oh. <laughs> Can you think of any examples, Kandra? I'm trying to think of that as stealing weaponry from anything and i like a ruse where you get the person to show you the gun to use it on them or steal it yeah maybe a western of some sort i feel like swords it happens more with oh or i'm thinking even like lightsabers i'm thinking it happens in star wars all the time oh yeah Mm. (laughs) yeah because you use the force to take it off star wars was 76 though right yeah 77 numbers history (laughs) they're only 10 digits I love the wooden cash register. What an old, oh, quaint thing. Oh, that's a good thing. observation. Yeah. It's yeah. very Wes Anderson, isn't it? <laughs> is it just the drawer that's timber wood? Or is it the, the actual top of it's steel, isn't it? Maybe. I've never worked a register, but wouldn't you have to, like, press some buttons to, like, open it? Yeah. That one seems like you can just pull it open. <laughs> <laughs> now, once again... He has the perfect gun that Scorpio wants. It's a, a Luger, the classical German, you know, Nazi gun. Yeah, could you rewind it a bit? I want to have a good look at it. He's so proud, isn't he, Kandra, the proprietor of his record, you know? 
It's this really weird thing is why would you be proud of that other than he gets to carry a gun now? And maybe <laughs> that's what he's really proud of and not that he's been he's a frequent a spot for robbery. Maybe he's very proud of his self-defense. How many how many people does he say that he managed to send away on a platter was it two? Well, no, he's been robbed 14 times, but the last the two last he sent away? he sent away, yeah. So, I, I, you know... What th- happened the other 13 times? Well, other 12. He's doing pretty well. Yeah, well, I assume the first 12 he would have gotten, you know, robbed and, you know, cut his losses. But then maybe the last two, there were attempted robberies, maybe. And a platter just means the gurney, the hospital, like that he killed them? Or what do you think? What was his rate? He just... Oh, I'd say hospitalized. Yeah, they were being carried out in stretches. Yeah, stretches mm. would be what I think. Now, Kandra, do you have access to this in high, high definition? We only have the, no. D- the DVD. Some smart person on IMDb said, well, actually, it's clear that the bottle is empty, but I can't quite tell. Oh, do we not see any liquid come out of it? No, I don't think so. Oh. That's real. That's all glass. It's got our favorite garish red blood on his head. Temple, that's pretty cool. Oh. There's shit going everywhere. Yeah, there, there is liquid spraying around. Unless... Oh, like, yeah, above the, like, top you would, left You would corner. think it wouldn't be shards of glass unless... I don't know. That's a... What's he got on his head there? Is he wearing a little hairnet or something? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe he's a hammerhead. Hammerhead. Well, Bartek, what do you think he takes Scorpio after he's, after he's incapacitated the proprietor? Is he just stealing cartridges? What do you think he's... Cigarette. He's not a smoker. Ah, the great question that I asked before the break. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, that was something that always confused me because I guess what I looked at was the paper came out and I thought he maybe stole that. But having a look now, yeah, he doesn't take the paper. Uh, it's boxes of something. Yeah. What, I, do, you, what do you think, Kandra? What's he's taken from the, the drawer? I'm, I had always thought, or it looks to me like it was bullets or something to help aid. It, it was definitely something a little more like solid. But He's honestly, not dumb enough to think he can steal the title deeds to the, the liquor store, is he? <laughs> well, no, that's the paper that he can take. <laughs> so is a Luger a handgun or a revolver? I'm not, I'm not good with weapons. I think it's a handgun. I All revolvers are handguns, aren't they? <laughs> are they? I thought the distinction was like one had cartridges, one just has the barrel. Like I thought that was... Anything can hold with one hand would be a hand. This is a question for an American condor. Can you help us? What's the nope, difference? Nope, nope, nope. I'm from the wrong part of the country for that question. <laughs> mm-hmm. We finally get Scorpio to do some old-fashioned crime, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> like uh, something a bit, dare I say, even a bit more honourable. Not <laughs> Robbery, yeah? No one dies. And um, I suppose in theory he does attack while... The guy's got the gun in his hand or is, yeah. I, I guess there could be some really sceptical Scorpio apologist out there that would argue that maybe he only took the gun because he was very easily scared. Mm. <laughs> I want to be a Scorpio apologist. Well, now's your chance, Trent. <laughs> do you think, Tim, like, do you think Harry turned up to this burglar and goes, ah, yes, finally. Oh, we have reason to believe it was Scorpio. Fuck. <laughs> I thought this was a good old-fashioned crime. Mm. Well, like you said, he, he is aware of this, this uh, liquor store's reputation to be robbed, so I guess maybe he was aware that the gun existed. Well, I think we might move on to the bus part now. Ooh, the bus. 
we're encountering a slow dissolve. There haven't been... Oh, I suppose there's been three or four of those in the movie so far. Oh, there is a slow dissolve. Normally it's dissolving Ooh. from a night shot to, like, a state... A, a, sta- a city building or a city hall. And I suppose here, in it's a way, kind of like say, that. Yeah. So, is this bus... Because it's clearly a school bus, because it says school bus on it, therefore it's a school bus. Is it dropping kids off from school? Or is it heading to school? I think it's going by the time of day. And I think that there is mention of them being dropped off home. I could be wrong. Because in a later minute, I'm sorry to get ahead of us again, uh, Scorpio gives the excuse that we're going to a factory, like an excursion. Mm. Ice cream factory. Yeah. <laughs> now, Kandra, you, you, you must have grown up with these yellow buses, yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, is this the yellow bus from The Simpsons? <laughs> When we look at it, I, I said off air that it reminds us of pencils. Uh, is that, they just, oh, yeah, yeah, like number mm. two pencils or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if yellow is a symbolic use of innocence as well. And well, you got, they got the crochet swimsuit at the start of the movie. Is it about innocence and things that need to be protected? Well, I noticed later on in a later minute, sorry to get ahead once more, they mention uh, Francis Drake. One of the turns they have to make is Francis Drake something. Francis Drake Boulevard, yeah. Francis yeah. Drake Boulevard. And I know that Francis Drake famously, the ship that he pioneered was the Golden Hind. Ooh. So maybe there's a little bit of a connection there. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's one of the best little tie-ins of possible subtext I think we've discussed on this program. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Who knows? That's right. Maybe. Going right back to the 1500s. And, and just to, th- to throw in, just to be a part of this, I studied the Sir Francis Drake Hotel in Powell Street in San Francisco oh, wow. in 1997. Anyway, there you go. That's just me wanting to jump on your tails there. Thank you. Oh, Isn't that where Fatty Arbuckle met his demise? Anyway, I don't know. Kandra, um, so these buses are... These, I mean, these, this means something to you, yeah? This is your childhood. Oh, yeah. No, um, definitely. I grew like having to go to school uh, with school buses. um, They're pretty standard. Uh, Really only more wealthy schools. If you like live in a really wealthy town, then they might not use school buses. But other than that, they're pretty standard. Um, I know I like live next to a bus driver now and I grew up with one of my parents friends being a bus driver. They're they're pretty, they're, it's a really interesting both vocation and this absolute staple of the communities in a lot of ways in mm. the way that like teachers are and doctors because how else or are your are children going to get to school? Um, I think the big thing between this film and my childhood on school buses is school bus drivers today are much more restrictive on stopping um if they see someone that is not a normal pickup they won't let the child off the bus um they won't stop if they see anyone that could potentially endanger and um they would come back so there's a lot more protocol and a lot more safety regulations around school buses now than there were back when this film was made so that, that was like a big red flag for me. I'm like, oh, this is how different and how much <laughs> times have changed. I, ha- I have a question about school buses in America. So I, I noticed- Listen up, Kandra. Ooh, I noticed that okay. on like the Simpsons and stuff and other, other TV shows or movies where a kid has to get on a school bus, the bus tends to be shown stopping right outside their house. So in America, how does the bus stop system work? Do they like make a map out near like kids' houses? Is there a-, is there a- Thing that like that? Yeah, is that just invented for movies? 
No, that's real. Um, so we have to register for schools, and part of that registration is they know where we live, and the bus routes will change year to year depending on the students. So my bus stop was always at the end of my street because um, I had a few kids in my neighborhood that all went to school with me. And we would all walk to the end of the street together. The bus would pick us up, drop us off kind of thing. A parent, um, when you're in like elementary school and like younger until you're about probably 10, 11, 12, um, you have to have a, uh, an approved pickup person. So they actually do, some, some students would get picked up in front of their house because they were the only one in the area. That's mm -hmm. not like fictitious in any way, shape or form. And you can select celebrities to be your registered pickup? I'll have James Franco, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, they need to have that proof of like connection. So it could be like your emergency contact or your parent or guardian or caretaker kind of thing. It, it's usually pretty specific, not just like, oh, yes, I'm going to have the police chief be my pickup. <laughs> Is there any reason why it's yellow? Is that across every state? It's just because... Yeah, yeah, they're yellow everywhere. It's a standardization that was made. I was actually doing some research on school buses. They, it's the most visible color. It's the way, it's why taxis are also yellow is because they're the most apparent color in day or night. So in thinking, maybe not innocence, but maybe like an obvious target that Scorpio had. So the woman in the bikini earlier and then the school bus here, they're like very apparent, obvious targets that are easily manipulated okay yeah definitely for close distance because i think i've read somewhere that red is the color that sticks out the most in a distance but i guess if you want to see a bus you're going to be seeing it much closer yeah yeah i don't normally like to invade future minutes mm. but i'm going to do it this time kandra do you ever do you ever do that um <laughs> uh, we try not to but yeah no every so often you kind of have to because definitely the next sequence in the movie impacts what you're talking about now. Very generous of you, but this one, well, why is Scorpio late to his own kidnapping? He's just robbed the place at night and now it's the next morning. Well, one of the reasons why I asked what time of day it was, because if it was morning and he did that late at night, could he have like slept in or something? But if they're being dropped off in, I'm assuming the afternoon, yeah, it is, it is curious. Maybe he missed the previous stop and had to get to the next one. <laughs> He is limping, he's remember? He's limping, yeah. I was, yeah. I was just going to say his injuries oh, probably slowed him down. No, no, no. <laughs> it's very well filmed, Bartek, don't you think? Definitely. Yeah. I love this shot of the bus slowly ambling its way up the road and you can see that vista of Golden, Golden Gate Park, the green wedge and the, the wonderful white horizons. And oh, that's the park. That's Golden Gate Park oh, going for out some reason, Pacific, For yeah. some reason, I thought that was the bay. Yeah, so did I. Shit. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Those are trees. I didn't realize the park was that big. That long, rather. Big and long. Blong. Man, it's a big one. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of trapped in Sir, tra the, uh, Sir Francis Drake mi Minute on yeah. um, Wikipedia right now. He was a pirate. My he wife's was a pirate. He's a slaver? Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, if it was the bay, then my golden hind thing would have fit more. Because, you know, here's the golden high. There's part of the ocean mm. but no it's it's the park you can't have a ship in a park that's a fun fact Kandra do you think this movie would uh hold the attention of young young millennials like is it uh, is it refreshing the slow pace of this movie it's quite compact it's just a hundred minutes and you know it actually holds shots for more than a few minutes and 
It's got the realism of monitoring real bullet use, like like even that. Yeah, it has been on Netflix. That's yeah. where I watched it. So, yes. Yeah. Do you think it would entertain younger viewers, Kandra? Um, speaking as one of those younger viewers, I definitely <laughs> there were str- lengths of the movie that I had some trouble. I was just like, okay, I get where this is going. But I also know I've seen enough of this era of film that I'm like, this is how they do it. So I knew I just had to wait out. But I don't think today it would be as nearly as big of a success as it was when it came out. That's right. Yeah, really. The guns. Sorry are not, to be a downer. The guns are not big enough. <laughs> like as a college student, it was hard. But you're a, you're a master now, aren't you, Kondra? I am a master now, but I'm I'm still just out of that college age, or I'm still I'm I mean I'm still a master. I'm getting another one, so um, it's it's still a lot of school. Did you encounter any uh, you know party hard dudes at college that had pictures of Clint Eastwood in their dorm rooms or anything? With red cups. No. No. No, but that also might be because I went to an all-women's college, Ah. so. (laughs) Did anyone study sociology that you roomed with? Um, They'll go far. No. I did. I mean, I studied. I had the good fortune of taking some film classes, so I was able to learn a little bit about the techniques and analysis behind these kinds of movies and the mentality. And so when I watched it, I was able to appreciate it for what it was doing for the time and that kind of stuff. And I think that's where I got the most out of it. Now, Kandra, what do you think? You've spoken previous minutes about Scorpio. Do you think he is a compelling pro uh, antagonist? I know you had some reservations about his portrayal, but do you like him? As a bad guy? I I think he's an interesting bad guy. I don't think he's particularly complicated or... I don't... I wasn't... He wasn't the one I thought was the most compelling character when I watched it for the first time. I was very much taken up in, the, in, in Harry and his thoughts. And I kept going back and forth. I was like, is Harry an anti-hero? Is this actually like... And Scorpio kind of came afterwards, and I was like, oh, he was just kind of, I don't know, he felt like a very basic, like, oh, yeah, he's a serial killer, he's moving the plot along so the protagonist can actually have something to do. But the more I think about it, like, and especially with these minutes, like, there's some thought, and he's quite, he's clever in a way that he plans, but his plans Mm. are never very good, so how (laughs) clever actually is he? I, I I keep I go back and forth with him. It almost feels like he is more of a you know common. It would be easy to take out in another film, kind of criminal. But like the whole, I guess from from Dirty Harry's perspective, the incompetency of the police force and the mayor kind of lets him keep going. Like it, yeah, it, it feels like any other film, he'd just be taken out quickly because. You know, there's the whole thing of, like, he's spotted on the roof very easily, but then he gets away because the cops weren't looking, apparently. Yeah, he does seem to me like the kind of guy who might be, you know, henchman number 10, who sort of runs out behind a stone wall and gets shot immediately. He's not mastermind-level antagonist, but luck is really on his side. Mm. He's not master blaster, he's 
Blaster on my, What, from Mad Max Beyond <laughs> Thunderdome? <laughs> Master Blaster. Sorry, that was my Tina Turner impersonation. I've been silently, you know, just just quietly thinking about Francis Drake this whole time since yes. you uh, raised that earlier <laughs> in the background. And I'm, I'm thinking there's an interesting parallel with Harry. I think um, they're two, two characters who are really like assholes, celebrated assholes. It's sort of like he's an asshole, but he's our asshole. I think, you know, that. so Francis Drake is a famous pirate, essentially, but very much working for the English royalty. Um, won them a lot of money, you know, sunk, you know, sunk some enemies, that sort of thing. And yeah, I think I'm, I'm sure it was unintentional, but I think there is a bit of a, a bit of a character parallel with, um, with our dirty Harry here. <laughs> Interesting. Um, both proto-fascists. Mm. Bartek, do you, do you think Dirty Harry, mm. do you think Harry Callahan is a fascistic character? Hmm. I haven't thought about his ideology that much, to be honest, but... Um, or is he just a hunter? Like a hero he plays, Clint played in the previous movie, Coogan's Bluff, where the, the trailer, a killer with no fear in a manhunt with no rules. I think he would respond to that question... By just saying they call me dirty for a reason, he'll do. He'll do what needs to be done so that you don't have to. Any dirty job that comes along, but, uh, is that <laughs> um, the quote? One thing we I forgot to mention all those months ago in the start credits. Remember where he's leaning over at the pool, Dirty Harry. Mm-hmm. Dirty's in like a murky, ambiguous color, whereas everything else is yellow. The titles are yellow. School bus is yellow. Crochet woman. Is yellow school kids in a yellow bus? You know, if he fell in the pool, there'd be two reasons why they had to reshoot that. <laughs> One, it wasn't in script, and two, he'd be clean. <laughs> That's my joke. Thank you. Do you think Harry? Do you think Clint's a limited actor, Trent? Uh, I know I've answered this, asked this before. Yeah, uh, yes and no. I don't know. I, mean, I don't think we've uh, seen enough diversity of roles. I'd like to believe you know there is more to him than what we've seen, but. You know, I mean, you've never seen him in an ensemble piece, really. Paint your wagon a bit. But, yeah, you know, yeah, that's like two or three other sort of. Where eagles dare. Yeah, I mean, but that's this is his quote for that movie, actually, Trent. Burton talks good, and I'm good with the action stuff. Let him handle the talk, and I'll handle the killing, and we'll just do a wild film. Mm. I mean, you wouldn't see him in one of those wanky. What's that director like, Jim Jamush or something? Not to say his films are wanky, but just the posters where you know they'd have about twenty celebrities on them, pasted <laughs> down the bottom, it's coffee and cigarettes or something like that. And uh, you know, you'd get Iggy Pop or something. You wouldn't see him in something like that, really, would you? Well, Kandra, would you like to see Clint in a Wes Anderson film? Maybe a small, non-taxing role. You know, I feel like he would definitely fit in as one of those quirky background characters yeah. that appear in, like, Grand Budapest Hotel or even, like, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. I feel like he could definitely, like, nail that role. I'm surprised Woody Allen just doesn't even ask him, like, it's a small role. Maybe he has. Yeah. Maybe he's declined. Yeah. I've got a lovely Harry quote here, guys. Ooh. He was talking about the blessings of coming from a TV background. Do you have a lovely Clint Eastwood impression? It goes as follows. You get to know your face because every week you play the same character. You then look at it and pick and choose. You see things that you do and you think, yeah, that worked. 
And after you do that for seven or eight years, you build up a file in your brain as to what works and what doesn't work for you. Is that a big blessing of being a TV actor day in, day out, Bartek? I wonder if he ever thinks about, like... Because from his perspective, you know, he can see everything. But from our perspective, it kind of looks like he's always squinting a bit. I wonder if that, like, ever crosses Chinese his mind. Chinese eyes. Chinese eyes. Like, yeah, wondering, oh, maybe I squint a bit too much. Or, uh, <laughs> it's the little things. You've got to be in his shoes. Walk in his shoes. Think about what he would think about. Are you a Harry fan, Kandra? Um, honestly, this was, I've seen the movie, like, twice. What about Clint? I've never seen a Clint Eastwood movie before seeing this movie. <laughs> yeah. This was my first yeah. encounter with him. Um, the only other time I had seen him was um, his depiction on the great movie ride in Walt Disney World in Florida. Oh. <laughs> Leaves a lot to be desired? You know, I'm in, I'm very intrigued I like because he is one of those big names and he holds like Westerns very highly, I think, is to him to some extent. And my brother was listing like five movies I should go watch after I told him um, <laughs> I had watched Dirty Harry. And I was like, okay, I'll get to them, I'm sure. Um, but it's not something I've readily gone to. I think more because of the time period they were made in. The, this this era of movies just don't do it for me in the way some other periods do. So I'm definitely intrigued by his performance and... I know he's like a cultural icon, so I'm really curious why. So I'm definitely going to be watching more, (laughs) more out of curiosity than anything. And I think he does have that bravado masculinity, like idealized Americana to him that was all the rage in the 70s. So it makes sense why he was such a big actor. Bartek, pop quiz. Yeah. Did Scorpio... Love his mother or kill his mother? Uh, where, where He talked about his mother at some point in the film, didn't he? Um, well, he said, I'll kill all your mothers later on. Oh, future minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you, are you, is everyone disappointed by Scorpio not having a backstory, Kandra? Does that annoy you as a younger viewer? No. No? No, because he's so boring. Like, he is that number 10 henchman. <laughs> he's not... He's not like a James Moriarty or, I don't know, some of like the great villains of all time. He's not Darth Vader. He's he a, jo- he's a, a Joker. Mm. Yeah. He kind of looks like him too. He's a one note Joker. I think the death of his mother killed him. Oh. oh. Deep. <laughs> Just like the Joker. <laughs> well, we haven't talked about the director Don Siegel in the last six months. Trent, have you seen, um, <laughs> have you seen many of his other films? Yeah, I don't think I have. Because there's a lovely documentary on YouTube now called Last of the Independents. And he comes across as a guy that is just a workman director. He doesn't even like his own job and he's... That's the impression I always got from him. I mean, he, he, you know, he came from that old Hollywood. I mean, he was uh, television, a lot of his stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, he was, I think, mercenary is possibly an appropriate word. Yeah. That, you know, he was a gun for hire. He Although you know, he started for the first... Two decades at Warner's and famously yeah. did the Casablanca montage. Yeah. But then for some reason was kicked out to the miners and became, you know, an affiliate of Universal for many years. And that's how he, he met it. There is an adjective coming to mind. Dirty. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm guessing he had a reputation for if there was a project happening. 
meeting uh, time schedule and budget and things like that. Uh, so, you know, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> His little summary. He prided himself on getting the scene in the first or second take. Yeah, Famously, 55 camera setups in one day. His trademark was to leave as little film possible for studio functionaries to re-edit. So he'd take very few shots. Um, okay. His experience with montage helped him with tempos and editing. Fun fact A, on Death of a Gunfighter, he came in halfway through the production, but he was friends with the existing director and didn't want to steal his thunder, so he claimed, please credit me as Alan Smithy. Ah, yeah. Okay. Second claim to fame for him or someone else, Sam Peckinpah was a script director, a doctor on many of Siegel's early scripts. And funny point C, Siegel later married Eastwood's assistant. <laughs> mm. uh, Siegel's style was not flashy. He used no storyboards. He shot in sequence, apparently, which was a blessing, uh, so said Andy Robinson when it came to filming this. And, quote, Siegel's films are about defiant loners who are unconventional, competent but amoral, and eschew social relationships with other men. They're mostly males that might share temporary goals, perhaps the police, but no deep bonds of sympathy. And he famously was going to direct Midnight Cowboy before Schlesinger was involved. Mm. Have you ever looked up or seen his final feature film? Jinxed. Jinxed. (laughs) I mean, on paper, this just looks fucking hilarious. I mean, above the line, you've got Bette Midler teamed with Ken Weil. He later on of uh, TV's Wise Guy and Rip Torn with a, a score by uh, Lalo. Wow. And it came out, what was it, 1982. So MGM released it at a time when they, they were, you know, just bought up uh, United Artists. But it would definitely like a background player as far as, you know, the major studios have gone. So you sort of think, oh, there's so much that could have worked there. Maybe... Um, 10, 15 years before with different cast. It's, uh, I, I love those sort of alternate universe mm. sort of ideas. You look at that thing, oh, on paper, that could have gone somewhere, somewhere very different, but uh, looks a mess. But you just mentioned Peckinpah. Yes. And uh, Siegel had health problems on the set of the film and gave uh, Peckinpah the job of uh, second unit direction on Jinxed. Oh, wow. So apparently that got him the job on Osterman weekend. Nice. After that, so the pick and power was already established by then. But well, his career was on the skids. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's directing Julian Lennon video clips several years later. There's oh, nothing wow. wrong with that, but um, yeah, I think that was his last film. His last film for Peck and Power was a Julian Lennon concert documentary. You get what you can. There's no D. A. Pennybaker, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know. Well, that's pretty much all I've got for this minute, Bartek Tim Kandra. Can you think of anything else? Um, maybe this will apply more when she's more prominent, but do we have any first impressions of the bus driver? Um, I definitely would not trust her to drive a bus. Um, she seems a little out there and a little confused and a little easily overwhelmed, which is not the ideal characteristics you want for someone trying to control kids. Um, she makes me a little nervous, especially driving up those hills in San Francisco, but... (laughs) She's doing her best. <laughs> I think it's rough that she had to wear a tie. Mm. I mean, that's it's not the kind of job I would have thought you'd ever have to wear a tie, and I would just love to not have to wear a tie in that job. But look, there it is. I didn't think of that, yeah. I guess. I mean, who's she trying to impress? <laughs> really? The kids. 
Well, there's a there's a twelve year old kid in the back with upper lip hair who's maturing, and she wants to. <laughs> I suppose it it probably helps with authority. Uh, yeah. Was but... that another fan fiction idea? <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of. Some fiction within the Dirty Harry universe. I was re-watching uh, Sudden Impact and there's a scene where he goes, nobody, but nobody puts ketchup on a hot dog. And online they're saying that was put in because a lot of people in the first movie, the bank robber scene, are going, Harry wasn't shot in the leg. That's just the ketchup from his hot dog, <laughs> not the bullets. So that's why they inserted that line in to say that Harry definitely, w- that was blood on his trousers, not uh, hot dog sauce. <laughs> Good backpedaling. <laughs> Well, guys, many thanks, Kandra, for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're so happy to have you because, one, you are our first United States citizen to be on the podcast and also you predate us and you're an existing Movies by Minute alumni and that means a lot to us. Thank you. Well, thank you. Bartek, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And Tim? Thank you for coming at late notice. No worries. No worries. Trent, catch you next time, everyone, on Dirty Harry Minute. Minute. How do you say that in American? <laughs> <laughs>